Hello and welcome to the MGMA podcast. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA, and thank you for listening. Today I'm speaking with leadership expert Tracy Spears. Tracy is the co-founder of Exceptional Leaders Lab, and over the course of her career, she has coached thousands of professionals on how to improve their leadership skills. Tracy specializes in developing leaders, inspiring teamwork, and enhancing inter-office communications. She has also been a championship athlete, competing at the very highest levels. Tracy, thanks again for joining us today. And uh, based on your success with the U.S. national softball team, what role do you think that kind of team building and, and leadership helped form a career for you in leadership development? Oh gosh, what a yeah! I love that we're starting with that because for, for sure there, we've had this conversation before where people that have been on any kind of a team have some advantage of you know when they get into a leadership role, and so there's a lot of debate about that. But I, I'm going to say it's true. I, I think anytime you are forced to try to accomplish a goal early on in life with a certain group of people, the skills you learn for sure has to translate to, to leadership. So probably all of those you know, things that you would think normally, you know, would contribute to that, like, you know, having to stay in your lane and do your your performance, the things that, you know, you have to do in a leadership role too, right? You have to figure out what are you really good at? How can you contribute to the overall mission of the organization? Like, how can you take the people on your team as an administrator and put them in roles that they're going to succeed in? So I think all of that contributes to that. Um, I'm guessing over the course of your career, there have been a lot of advancements in technology, but I'm curious about that as people kind of evolve and they consume information and they communicate so much through all these devices. I'm curious how that plays out with leadership and if people are still able to sort of lead from the front and be able to communicate with each other in a way that uh, conveys the message and, and the ability to have strong leadership. How has how technology impacted? Uh, leadership development over the years? I think it's been good and bad, right? I think the good part of that has been the ability to touch more people, right? To to take your message and get it to everybody in the organization. So I think in some ways that's been good. It's also been more efficient. I think we've crossed over to the point where the technology is actually probably not even as efficient anymore, right? People get buried in email strings that go back and forth and back and forth, and that can end up sometimes even taking more time. But I think the other thing that's really suffered has been that connection. You know, we we hear a lot about it, you know, when you think about people that aren't, you know, shaking hands, looking each other in the eye at staff meetings. And I think that takes its toll for sure. Uh, the introverts might argue and say, that's good. I don't ever have to leave my office. But I think that what suffers in that is that that connection, if you will. And that connection buys you a lot of grace as a leader. You know, when, when people know you, they know who you are, they know what you're about, they're a lot more willing to get on board to support your mission, to support the, you know, agenda that you have. So I, I think, you know, I think that suffers. I, I recently read that a lot of the big, you know, Silicon Valley uh, companies that have, you know, gotten rid of all their brick and mortar offices so that they could be more efficient, that a lot of them are now actually 
starting to spend money again to bring people back into, you know, pods where they can work, you know, sitting side by side. So I think we've gone kind of, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. But I certainly, I certainly support that. And I think there's probably like anything, there's probably a happy medium that needs to be found in that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that there is a disconnect at times. I know that some meetings I get into that people will still have their devices with them. They'll be multitasking while we're in meetings. And as you talk about so much in your coursework, uh, meetings are expensive. That's people's time. And I feel like if we can get in there and run a meeting as efficiently as possible and then get out and get back to our desk and do the kind of work that we need to do, that's better for everybody. Um, do you have any rules that you, you tell people that they should follow or some good guidelines as far as how they get in and run a meeting to do those efficiently? Yeah, so um, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that question. One of them is, you know, to make sure that the meetings that you're having are necessary, right? We have people that bring in, us into their organization to do, whether it's executive coaching or team building. And one of the first things we do when we work with an executive um, is we say, okay, well, let me see your calendar. What are all of the recurring meetings that you're, you know, that you have on your calendar and which ones can we eliminate? Which ones can we reduce? Which ones, right? Like just that kind of a meeting audit to see, are these really meetings that are driving our organization forward or are they just something that we've gotten in a rhythm of and, you know, we just, we're doing them to do them. So that would probably be the first one. The second one, um, I was super fortunate to get to do a leadership training for Coca-Cola world headquarters and okay. so as happens sometimes when you're, you're doing those meetings you learn more than you know than, than you're actually teaching and I was listening to another speaker talk about how they recommend that you don't do one hour meetings or 30 minute meetings that you you know if you have a one hour meeting and you have a meeting at 9 10 and 11 there's no way you could end a meeting begin the next meeting be efficient take care of you know you, you just couldn't do it so they do right. all of their meetings you know, with a 10 minute buffer. So an hour meeting is a 50 minute meeting, a, a 30 minute meeting is a 25 minute meeting. So those are a couple of little meeting hacks, you know, that people can do. Uh, I love the stand up meeting. I love it when, you know, we're not all sitting around a table, but when everybody's just standing there, we're just saying exactly what needs to be said and not anything superfluous that's, you know, dragging us right. down a rabbit hole. So those are a few things. Oh, great. Well, there's something that I wanted to talk to you about and it's it's really exciting it's a partnership that you have with MGMA it's a course that's ongoing right now it's your healthcare leadership series and i wanted you to talk about it first broadly you have broken this into three tracks on personal productivity for leaders managing your team and optimizing your leadership skill set and i wanted to ask you first again very broadly how did you decide to divide these up into these three tracks and then we can dig in a little bit deeper on each track. So we were trying to, you know, make this series where it doesn't matter where you are in your leadership journey. If you are a newer leader or if you're a leader that's been around for a long time, if you're somebody that is new to a leadership role, maybe you, you know, you're, you've been at a, uh, one organization, one system for a long time, and now you're in a different one. Like we tried to break it down where you could get to exactly what you needed or what you need 
to hear at whatever point you are in, in, in your career. So that's been, that was the strategy of that. And it, it became pretty easy when we started laying out all of the different, you know, tracks and, and what categories they would go in. But, you know, what we didn't want is somebody to go, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is too elementary or, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for that. You can look at that and see exactly where you want to be. I, th I think what will also happen, and we've had some feedback of this already, is you think, oh, yeah, I already know that. But when you go back with fresh eyes or you go back and look at some of that mm -hmm. information, you know, that you'll get something different out of it each time that you go through it. So that's how we decided. Yeah. So I did want to talk about the personal productivity first, because as we found out, as people have done studies on organizational behavior, we're wired differently. So how do you adjust in a course for people when you do have people who are, as you were saying, some might be introverts, some might be hard charging type A personalities. How do you develop a course and, and develop a strategy for people who kind of come, come about it from a different line of thinking? So I think what's important in a leadership role is that you, you have to think about the person that you're trying to influence. So your question, the simple answer is, it automatically happens when you start, you know, thinking, okay, well, as as a leader, I want to do everything my way, and right, like your your effectiveness is limited there. The right. curriculum that we put together is to say, and there's a couple of sections in there to even say this is, you know, the core needs according to Maslow's hierarchy and all the different personality. Um, you know, tests that people have taken, how, you know, how can you articulate that in a 20 minute session? But we do, we do, you know, we're able to do that to get to that so that people can at least look at that and say, oh my gosh, so from somebody that's on my team, this is really what they need from me. And for me to get what I need out of them, I've got to meet them based on what their need is instead of what my need is. And I think that's probably the secret to great leadership. It's that ability to set aside your own biases, your own agenda, to be able to say, okay, first of all, I've got to figure out how to connect with them wherever they are, and then move them into my vision, move them into the, you know, the direction of the organization. I, I think that's uh, one of the things you'll get out of that session is, you know, how, you know, when you look at that, you know, all those courses, you'll get that very quickly exactly how to do it. Right. And one of the things that just struck me as I went through your material was organi organizing a, a personal board of directors. I think that was really cool and very helpful. Um, how can someone put that together and, and where do they find a, a personal board of directors to help them? Yeah. So the difference between that and like a mentor program is that, you know, mentor programs oftentimes are within an organization. So somebody says, this is someone that's here at the organization, you should shadow them. It's almost like, it's like forced fun. Like you put these relationships together and, and you know, whether there's any synergy or chemistry or not, you're, you're kind of forced to do that. A personal board of directors is that ability to say, you know what, I, I want to figure out what are the five things, what are the three things that I need to get better at? And how can I leverage the learning of some super smart people that, you know, maybe they've already been there, done that. And so how can you shortcut your own learnings by connecting strategically with people, whether they're inside the organization or not? I'm going to say most, most of the time, you know, most of the personal board of directors, I know for me personally, have been outside the organization. And in doing that, you get, you know, a much broader, um, I guess, 
approach to what are the things that you really need to learn. I, I'm going to tell you, I did this, uh, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how many years ago without really knowing that's what was happening. You know, we used to call it networking or we mm -hmm. called it, you know, what, what are, but the, the personal board of directors, what I like about the term is that if you think of an organization that has a board of directors, it's the same thing. They get all these super smart people in a room and they say, all right, how can we be better? What do we need to be thinking about? What's the future look like for us? How can we be positioned so that we can thrive in, in you know, the new normal, whatever that ends up being? So as a person, you're doing exactly the same thing. You're, you know, strategically having a cup of coffee with somebody or jumping on the phone with them. You're, you know, maybe, maybe it turns into, uh, you know, a little bit more frequency. Sometimes it's a one and done. Uh, I know for me, I have five people that I connect with quarterly and it's, it's strategic and it is, Hey, this is, you're good at this and I need to be better at this. And what would you recommend? It's a, it's almost an interview, you know, just, you know, to try to get the information. I wanted to talk a little bit more now about managing your team. And one of the things as I read your material and watched one of your videos was talking about managing up. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that is, you know, when you think about all of the people that are on your team, but you're, especially in a medical situation, they're serving the physicians, they're serving the board, they're serving, you know, people that they report to. And I think a lot of times people forget that they have to manage that relationship as well. So sometimes people that, you know, report to someone else, they all they think about is their own role, what is it that, you know, they're doing, how they're trying to accomplish what they're doing, but how can you, you know, be helpful or assist the people that you report to, how can you help them get what they need for them to be successful in that role? A lot of people don't even think about that. They're so busy worried about, I just need to make sure I'm doing a good job here so that my boss, when they see this great job I'm doing, they recognize what I'm doing. But very few people go to that next level to say, okay, I'm doing that, but also how can I get more connected to what is it that 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 person that I'm reporting to, what are they trying to accomplish? And how can I be an asset in that? What are the things that I could do to make them successful in their role? And when you start thinking more strategic like, strategically like that, you become more valuable to the entire organization, not just that person that you're reporting to. So having that kind of a mindset that you're thinking not only the people that are on your team, but thinking of, you know, what are, what are the goals of those people that, that you're reporting to? That's a, that's a completely different concept for a lot of people because most of us really don't think about that. And, you know, we, they think things are happening to them instead of sometimes things that are happening for them in an organization. And when you know what the goals and what the struggles are for the people that are, you know, running the organization, it's much easier to see, okay, well, that's necessary. That's, this ends up happening because it's helping all of us, not it's something that's happening to us. Now, one of the things in any walk of life is facing difficult conversations. You talk a lot about that. Um, you even mentioned there are five conversations that leaders must get right. Um, what are a couple of those and, and what are some best practices to, to kind of overcome, whether it be a fear or just a an inability to just kind of meet those and, and get past them? Well, I think it's the difference between great leaders and managers. It's that, you know, a difficult conversation you could, you know, say would be one that you are uncomfortable having. So you could define difficult in a lot of different ways. A couple of them that we talk about often, uh, the timely talk, which is how can you address 
an employee that's underperforming in a way that inspires them to be better without, you know, demoralizing them. So, you know, what a lot of leaders will do is they'll, they'll wait, they won't say anything, they'll hope it gets better. And then it becomes an issue where they're writing somebody up. And if the first time somebody hears about a performance issue is in a write-up, I think we've missed a big step in leadership, right? I think the leader that sees something early on, you don't, you don't wait for a year and then you tell somebody, right. okay, in the last year, these are all the things that have been driving me crazy. I think you, you have to be more real time in your feedback and the leaders that are able to do that. I think they get, um, you know, they, first of all, they develop a relationship with that person, but they also get, you know, people to make changes in, in that more immediate uh, time frame, which definitely helps. I've, I've worked with a couple of leaders that, have done the opposite. They've waited. They've not had the conversation. It's gone on for years in some cases. And it's just, you know, uh, it's been nothing but a, a toxic, probably, relationship for, and, and everybody feels that. So that was the first part of your question. The second part of your question, some of those different conversations, the timely talk, we just talked a little bit about that, the, you know, how do you uh, have a conversation with somebody that is a brand new employee, right? We, we call those the rock star conversations. How mm-hmm. do you we talk a lot about carefrontation. You know, what are some of the one-liners that you can say to somebody? And we talk a lot about this, as you said, you know, in the online course, those things that you can say to somebody that can dramatically change their performance, um, you know, which affects everybody in the organization. So, yeah, we're super passionate about giving talking points and scripts to leaders of all levels about how they can, you know, move people from whatever level of performance they have up to that, that next level. Now, we've talked about those difficult conversations, but you also talk quite a bit about positive recognition. And tell me a little bit about this. How can people bring that into their leadership skill set and help grow their team that way? You know, we talk about something called the IV interview uh, in the course, and it's it's an acronym for I value you. You know, we in leadership roles have a tendency to really focus on the problems, right? We think the person that wakes us up in the middle of the night is the one that, you know, like we, you know, they're driving us crazy or, you know, for whatever reason, there's some conflict there. We spend so much energy trying to mitigate that and and work around that. But while that's happening, there's somebody sitting in, in everyone's organization that comes in every day on time. They've been there eight years, 18 years, however long they you know, they just do their job, they show up, they, you know, they never cause any issues. And those are the people that oftentimes we forget. We forget to say thank you. We forget to say, you know, what's your experience? How can we be better as an organization? How can I be better as a leader? Those people that are, you know, the steady eddies, if you will, they're the stabilizers in an organization. Those are the people that can normalize what's going on. Those are also the people that sometimes, you know, uh, the people on your team will go to and having a really strong relationship with them and positioning them as more of a business partner than, you know, just an employee can really help create a better culture for an organization. So I think we definitely need to spend more time saying thank you. Uh, I think we mm-hmm. need to spend more time doing things like sending thank you notes to someone uh, at their home. You know, imagine you get a thank you card from the doctor, from the administrator, from somebody they, you know, they they get home and the spouse says, you know, gosh, you got a, you got something from work and you open it up and it says, you know, just really appreciate, you know, everything you do. We're a better organization because you're part of it. What does that do to somebody? That person is never leaving, right? They're, you know, or, or they're at the very minimal, they're, they're, you know, pretty committed to 
to you at that point. But doing those little touch points, it's it's not enough to just you know once a year do an appreciation lunch that happens to coincide with a holiday, right? <laughs> wow. You know, well, no, I, I showed him I, I appreciated him. You know, I, I bought him lunch that one time. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's not enough. I want to talk about track three. You've, you've got this set up sort of like three legs of a stool here. And the, and the third one is optimizing your leadership skill set. And so much of this third track is, it's about, to me, as I'm going through it, the fundamental aspects. It's your character and other aspects of leadership in that regard. Why did you focus so much on leadership character and competence and those different traits? I think you can't act your way into being a great leader in the sense that if you aren't really working on those deeper things, you know, like you said, character, if if that's not something that is innate or part of who you are as a person, um, you're a fraud, right? You you will Mm -hmm. be found out. And people, some people, it takes a while. Some people can figure it out pretty quickly if if you aren't connected to those principles, your leadership effectiveness will be limited, right? You will, you'll be great in a transition role, right? You'll be really good at going in and trying to turn an organization around for three months or six months and then getting out. But if you're, if you really look at what makes a great leader, all of those things that we're, you know, talking about in that track is more about who somebody is, not what somebody does. But when you can marry those two together, uh, man, it gives you a huge advantage as a leader. One of the aspects of kind of optimizing your leadership skill set is the idea of humility. And you don't often think of that when you think about great leaders, but talk to me and our audience about humility and the role that that plays in being a great leader. Well, humility gives you like this huge upside when when you believe that you know you know it all, and I mean there's no upside for that right when you mm-hmm. when you look at people that don't have any humility, then usually there's this big separation between what they're trying to accomplish for the organization and how that connects with the people that are in an organization. Humility can bridge that gap, if you will, it makes you approachable right it It makes people um, more connected to you. When you when you're human, when you have humility, people are uh, more open to receiving whatever feedback you give them, right? Like they they know that you're thinking about their experience too. Somebody that doesn't have any humility that is not connected to that, it's going to be super hard to get, um, you know, to have a trusting culture. And so there's, gosh, there's so many so much research out right now about the importance of humility, how they can measure it. It's the thing that you can learn. It's like one of the skills that's, that is one of the, one that's easier to learn, or there's, there's just a lot of information about that. We start a lot of our talks with, you know, when we go out and visit with organizations about humility, you know, it, it does create that trusting, transparent, you know, environment when they can trust that what the leader's saying is, is the truth. And I, I think, yeah, I don't know if you've ever been in this before, but I've been on a call. I've been in a meeting. I've, I've watched a leader stand in front of a group of people and use nothing but first person pronouns. Mm-hmm. I, me, my, and the minute somebody is doing that, the disconnect is so obvious for an organization. And if you're trying to create 
you know, a, a culture where everybody feels valuable and everybody's doing the best they can and everybody's contributing. There's no way you can do that if you are up there talking about what you're doing, right? The, the leader that can say us and we and use more collaborative language, that's always more appealing for a team, uh, you know, for in, in a leader than it is somebody that's talking about how great they are. Exactly. I think that's really different. Mm -hmm. Well, Tracy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and also for just the general work that you do in leadership development. It's, it's been great help to our membership and to other people out there. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you're interested in taking Tracy's self-paced online course entitled Optimizing Personal and Team Growth, you can go to mgma.com backslash leadership training. I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks again for listening to the MGMA podcast.